Hi, Filmatics. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have a very special guest, Victor Chin, lifelong martial artist, action talent, head coach, and owner of VWC Muay Thai and Fitness in San Francisco Bay Area. Victor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Much appreciated. Yeah, my film addict. Um, so I want to know, Victor, what, what was the first film that you fell in love with? The very first film is a classic, Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. I think it's the iconic one that everyone can recognize, even to this day. Yes, that's a great one. And the reason for that is because it kind of set the pace for what action is in the 21st century. From back in you know the 70s until now, a lot has changed, but the story, the pace, the content, and the visual image of that action, it still stands to this date. So it's definitely a top favorite of mine. Oh, great. And then um, I heard that you just really love filmmaking, and one of your favorite Criterion films is the amazing police story by Jackie Chan. Yes, definitely, because that is, again, you know, years later, since Bruce's past, you know, the next uh, kind of uh, scouting came about. Everyone wanted to be the next Bruce. And Jackie Chan happened to be already the stuntman in his movies. And over time, he built his reputation. And uh, Police Story came out when he made that totally different than what Bruce Lee did in Edge of the Dragon. The Police Story had a little bit of a modern-day style police drama and action. But the action was very stunt oriented so the type of movement the crashes you know bodies falling on sets and this visual image totally shocked i think a lot of the audience who were unaware of what stunt and the stunt world community is like so jaggy chan in an iconic you know name nowadays set the pace for that stunt community so another definitely top favorite very hard to match and to replicate again yeah and um, can you tell us about like that, the very famous scene where he jumps down into the lights in the shopping mall, there was over, uh, it was a, a shot with 20 cameras where they're all running at the same time. Can you tell us about that? It was filmed in Hong Kong. Correct, yes, in a shopping mall. So obviously I wasn't born yet, but now we can look at a lot of the behind the scenes footage and there's interviews and multiple cameras at the time. So they're going off the film, you know, before we have digital like nowadays. So multiple cameras at once, so you can make sure it's a one shot deal. Because of the type of stunt, he's literally in a shopping mall. If you can picture any shopping mall, you have your different levels and floors, and you have your railings. So he's literally standing on the edge of a railing, jumping across into the middle, like almost like a chandelier style, you know, and crashing down to the very bottom of the shopping mall floor. Oh my now, to do this, you know, yeah, it looks, it looks, it sounds easy. Oh, anyone can do it. Until you're actually standing there, you, you want to jump where everyone's watching you, you know, the nerves come up. So he tells the story of how nervous every single time he's going to do a stunt, particularly this particular one, being the major climax of the scene. And um, multiple camera goes, and the, the, the funny thing is, he was saying, there's a little good luck charm his friend gave him in his pocket, puts in his pocket for like good luck, you know, type of thing. But he also wanted to know that, okay, when do I actually go? He would give a nod. That nod would mean, okay, cameras will be rolling. And... At the time they were preparing for it, everything was kind of set up, and he wasn't really ready yet, but he kind of nodded in a different meaning. But then the uh, DP or whoever saw it thought it was time to roll. So when he saw the nod, all he heard was rolling and cameras started going. He was just surprised that it was already time. 
which he wasn't ready yet. But he can't turn back. You know, it's not digital, so it's on film. Once the camera started rolling, he says, sucked up the courage and just yelled really loud and jumped across. And then, you know, multiple takes of this amazing stunt where he crashes all the way down, hitting all the lights, burning his hands, skin falling off, literally, as he says, crashing all to the ground. Didn't feel that at that moment. But he says afterwards, you know, an hour or so later, like all his energy literally out of his body. You know, uh, he had broke his back, broke his tailbone. So he suffered, you know, physical injuries to do that one stunt that, you know, on camera probably lasted, I don't know, maybe five to ten seconds only. But the image, everyone who knows uh, that iconic look, I-, I doubt anyone can actually replicate that again today because of the danger factor, but also, you know, who wants to be crazy enough to try that, you know? <laughs> so wow. it's something that is quite, quite magical here, you know, many years later. Yeah, he's an amazing person, and I'm just that's so unfortunate that that happened and that he hurt himself. But yeah, police story in the game of death could have been his death, but he came out, um, he recovered from that after being very, very seriously injured. So that's why stunt unions today and stunt work, you know, it's a very serious career and um, it takes a lot of physical strength, and there are rules to um, to make sure that people are safe. So thank goodness. Um, you know, our beloved uh, Jackie Chan and his amazing yeah. stories. Yeah, He's still around, so he's still kicking, you know. And with Game of Death, you know, that's uh, really kind of the last few minutes, uh, 15 minutes or so, uh, Bruce's kind of, he was working on two films. It was Game of Death, and then he got called in by Warner Brothers to End of the Dragon, which was the first U.S. Hong Kong Corp production. But with Game of Death, he only was able to shoot literally like 15 minutes or so of footage that finally made to a final cut. And that was just the fight sequences. So that is another iconic image because it showed another level of storytelling. Because at that time, you had a lot of, you know, fantasy and, you know, these kung fu movies of people flying all over the place. But he kept it very, you know, as modern as possible, even back in the 70s. So that particular movie, you had only, you know, the few minutes that we can watch today, you know, if you Google it up. But it was a masterpiece in the sense of, how you combine different characters with different skill sets and different dilemmas. And each level of this pagoda that he goes through is a different dilemma that he has to deal with, whether as a human being or as a character he's portraying. That's a famous scene that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar knew that he was, you know, that most people recognize. So it's that last few moments, you know, that's why it's another kind of a criterion that kind of sets a standard, at least for me, in terms of story into action that we see today in a modern world. Yeah, and, and you were meant um, with the Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon. I love how there was no stunts that, like you said, pure masterpiece and movement, time and precision, and the battle scenes, you know, um, definitely yep. no flying in the air, like you said, no, no magic swords like mm-hmm. kung fu movies, but realistic battles. And, um, and I love you see, you were talking about how the shots were done medium wide and not the shaky camera that Western movies have. So yeah, it's, it's just a beautiful, um, uh, poetic master cinematography and with the music, just a really beautiful movie of how, yeah. So you said how one human being can change exactly. the world. I love change that. The world, right. And, you know, it's just also the pace for, you know, future creators or just someone who's interested in just watching something. You could compare how things were done back then to now. Of course, there's going to be a change, but as far as some elements, they stand still in time. You know, just like for example, if you were to go back and watch like, like Gone with the Wind, you know, or like Casablanca, or you know, um, 
Goodfellas. You know, there's some iconic movies that always stand their time that people look up as the, you know, kind of the uh, a, a example or a template. So my interest in the action side, you know, is kind of like that. There's some movies that, you know, are a template for me and what I hope to create at some point in life, you know, to tell a different story, but using the same concepts and uh, the philosophies and the way they film it that way, you know. Um, uh, and then, you know, you modify it based on what works, what doesn't work, you know. It's like a trial and error almost. Yeah. And so I got to ask you, so sure. what's, what's your favorite line from a movie? <laughs> <laughs> favorite line. Now, this is more of a modern one, but it still can be relatable to, I guess, any genre of film. As uh, when Liam Neeson did Taken, you know, when it first came out, something kind of new for his age. And he became like this new hot, older action drama actor kind of guy is, you know, the favorite line that everyone did memes off, you know, where he talks to the bad guy on the phone. They got kidnapped his daughter, right? Everyone watched the movie, hopefully, and spoil it. <laughs> and then, you know, he says, uh, you know, he gives the guy kind of an ultimatum almost in a sense that he returns her, nothing happens now. But if he doesn't, right? He's going to find him. He's going to kill him, you know? That kind of iconic couple of sentences, the way they shot it, the mood, and just obviously Liam, Ke Liam Neeson as the actor brings in that persona that we can relate to that if your, your child was missing, you know, what would you do, right? And then when I saw that, I was like, wow, what, a, what an iconic line. And then everyone started to copy that line. But, but I hope that no one will be killing anybody. So. Not, <laughs> like, yeah. Only on film, <laughs> only on like, film. It's pretend, yeah. pretend. Yeah. And just so, we'll pretend, just we'll pretend. Yeah, be, yeah let's, pretend. let's all be nice to each other. Yeah, and so with that, um, if you could have played a character, what character, what's your favorite character? Yeah, um, I would go back definitely when I was growing up. I don't know why I watched all these movies as a kid because nowadays you probably wouldn't show your kids these things. But uh, it's definitely uh, Silver Stallone as Rambo because Rambo represented at least at that time when I was like eight or I don't know how old I was. You know, a tough figure, but he didn't have any special powers. You know, he wasn't Batman or Superman flying in the air. There was no magic. It was just a guy. You know, good shape guy. You know, military guy. And he had to fight all these bad guys. So as a kid, I thought, wow, this guy is beating all these bad guys up with, you know, machine guns. And, you know, I didn't know anything at the time. So he kind of stood like, wow, how do you, how, is there someone like that? You know, is there a person like this out there? And, you know, a lot of military people are like that, you know, I mean, not maybe to that extent of a visual look, but uh, that, you know, toughness. Yeah, I think that's what I really liked a lot. And then it kind of drew me to the action is because, you know, you feel tough, you know. Uh, you don't have to be a huge guy, but, you know, mentally, you know, he was tough for his character, I mean. So, yeah, um, yeah. I want to recreate another, not another Rambo, but, like, my version of what his character represents, you know, like that. Yeah, beautiful, yeah. I actually worked for yeah. um, Erwin Winkler, and he was one of the producer's oh. partners on uh, The Rocky, which, you know, oh, I... lucky you. Yeah, oh, I... I, um, you know, even though I'm a female or girl growing up in, in, um, you know, I'll state that I'm older than everyone. So, um, that's my generation and how we talk. And, so, sure. but, you know, I just was like, oh God, he's just like, you know, he's trying so hard and he's, and he has a nice wife and he's, you know, it just thought the underdog, you know, how he just was working and training so hard to win. And yeah, Correct. so those kind of movies are great. But yeah, with Rambo, it was like, bah, 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 and you know, I have to tell exactly. him. That you guys well, know, by, know you guys know by now my Italian mother, she's a big oh, yeah, action right. film, and every time she comes to Los Angeles, she's like, 
oh, so can you put an action? I like action. And she'll like, what action, about, like, um, she doesn't know everyone's names, but like, uh, uh, and then I'll show her like John claude Van Damme. She's like, I've watched yeah, all those. Because uh, in Italy, they watch all those. And so I have course. to find action films. And I go, oh, her new one. <laughs> yeah. So, so Rambo, she likes. She's like, I like action. And then like, you know, you have to find a lot of action. So John Wick and Rambo and Jean Claude. And then that's great. <laughs> oh, I would get along great with her then too, you know. I think, and also it tells a story, you know, because. I guess you can visually watch it as action, you know? It's like someone watches comedy or, you know, any other genre. But there's also something that if you only watch it with no dialogue, if they do it right, there's a way they tell a story with their body too, you know? The yeah. movement, why are they doing, you know, whatever it is they're doing? Like Rambo's character, you know? He's a war veteran. He comes back and, you know, the guys are hassling him. So it gives him a reason not to argue and fight. But then they're pushing him to a limit where he's, having that PTSD, you know, and he's doing it again, right? So you can tell through the physical movement of his character changing. So I think for me, as I get older now, obviously, but I try to watch him with these things, not just for, you know, the explosion, but try to think about, like, what is this character trying to do? Like, when they write this, you know? Like, what's his purpose, you know? And that, to me, now is interesting as well. So I think, like, Rocky, Rambo, any of these characters, you know, they're more than, they're, like, coming to life, right? A fictional coming to life and it's very interesting to see when they write this, you know, what were they thinking about? And then, you know, 20 years later, do they have that same thought again, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, so, um, so, and with, with um, keeping a good shaped body, like, I heard that you dance. A uh, long time ago, yes. When I was uh, in middle school to high school, no one really knew. Uh, I did do four years of ballet. And the reason for that was, you know, I mean, most kids, especially boys, or not, unless they have an aspiration to be a dancer, uh, a ballet dancer of all things. It was more for uh, dexterity, like flexibility and power. So I was already doing martial arts as a kid. You know, as a kid, you don't have, you know, your full potential yet. You're eight years old, you know, nine years old. But I started to uh, look at, you know, what can I use to implement and build more flexibility and power in my legs and hips, you know, all these kind of things, right? Something you're kind of just born with, just what I like. But this is what, you know, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme was doing. He was a dancer. He did ballet for many years, and that gave him uh, a big boost in what he was doing visually, you know, and then so on and so forth, and he became a big star. So as a kid watching his movies, I thought, oh, wow, I can do this too then. So that's kind of what I did. I went for his ballet took the bus everywhere, you know, from school and all these things. But I was the only other guy in this uh, dance place uh, that I actually wanted to be there myself, <laughs> not being forced. So good times. So, good yeah, times, like, sounds like times. a little bit of a Billy Elliot, but with, like, no no dad, like, mad that you're doing it. You, you went there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you have nice, supportive like that, family. Yeah. So, yeah, because Billy, yeah, exactly. Billy Elliot is one of my favorite films. I love that film. It's so beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's iconic, you know, iconic characters, you know, and, uh, maybe it inspires someone else that, you know, out there who's doing something, they think it's kind of embarrassing. I thought it's great. Nowadays, a lot of people are doing it because dancing is a hot thing. You know, it was always hot, but now it's even more because you have more opportunities to show in a video. You know, back in the other, early days, you know, there was no Facebook around. No one's posting anything. So you could do whatever you want, but no one's going to know anything, you know. So a little different now, but it still can motivate someone. So I'm always, I'm glad I did that, you know, um, but that was many years ago, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they'll have you on Dancing with the Stars. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, so. uh, yeah. I got to relearn everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Why does it move that way anymore? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, how did you start your acting career and your martial arts acting career? 
sure. Uh, well, the martial arts always started first, you know. Um, I was just born able to do this. I like I gravitated more towards the martial arts concepts. I can, you know, do these movements, and it felt more natural than me trying to play basketball or soccer. Uh, even though that was more the American sport. Fast forward to 93, it was the really the beginning of my uh, more serious training because that was when the very first Ultimate Fighting Championship appeared on TV or pay-per-view. So nowadays, it's a huge entity, big sport organization. But back then, nobody knew what it was, right? Nobody cared about it. So we started watching this on VHS tapes and pay-per-view, and that's how my real hardcore training began. Uh, with the martial arts and uh, trained with a lot of people along the way, and in that process, some of those people became stunt people, uh, stunt men or stunt women, let's just say. And it just became kind of a rolling trend, where a lot of the contacts from physical training in real martial arts it adapted into what we now call, you know, stunt fighting or film fighting or however you want to describe it. And it's again, you know, part combination of martial arts into cinematic purpose so you modify everything uh, a big part is actually from a lot of connections within the martial arts world um, and a lot of them came from Jackie Chan's uh, stunt team and that's kind of where a lot of the connection into the filming kind of turned about stunt team uh, and that's where in 2014 I would say fast forward again um, I got invited to Jackie Chan's 60th birthday Nice. And, yeah, you know, yeah, a lot of party and you know, a big celebration. I met a lot of good friends, a lot of fans, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then from there, it was just connecting with more of kind of his circle. And uh, uh, got invited again. Uh, Action Film Festival last year, uh, a little bit bigger because he had a lot of guest stars. Chris Tucker was there, did a surprise visit. Uh, Adrian Brody was there, a couple of big Thai stars, you know, and so on and so forth. You know, helping him promote, you know, the new film festival for a lot of up-and-coming action directors right. and whatnot. Among all the hundreds of people, he also selected some people to perform on stage. So I got lucky that, you know, they wanted me to kind of be on stage to do like a skit type of thing. And they had the uh, China news and, you know, so it's kind of a, a big deal for, you know, China that, at, the, at the moment. It's more of an experience. It's a way to also tell a story. And, you know, maybe it motivates someone else. And that's kind of my goal is to help motivate other people to be able to do what they want to do as well. You know, and um, that's kind of the journey for me. And then I'm still continuing on. Yeah. So in the 2019, you were in Romania. Yes. And yes. you're with your international team to film Francois Merkel's indie martial arts action piece, The Conspiracy. So, yes. uh, yeah. And then you started writing your folks for first feature film. Entitled Fata, a Romanian action love story. That's right. So that's yeah. beautiful. Like, have you been writing during the um the COVID? Because a lot of you know Shakespeare wrote during yes. the quarantine of the pandemic. So you've been writing, yeah. So I thought, well, how come there's no like you know action story or something? They just don't have that kind of market. Um. So I thought, okay, well maybe if I can create something, it could be like a Romanian action story. And that's something I thought about the love story. It's something that. Uh, kind of a little bit of a dynamic between the male character and the female character, but you're showcasing it in the country. So it's half English, half Romanian. So I hope uh, whenever this gets ready is to be a real Romanian movie that is exported out so that Romania now gets a recognition of how great the country is, you know, the dynamic, the culture, the food, you name it. They have a lot of great things there, but people don't know what it is. So that was my kind of passion to make Fata, which means 
like girl in Romania. Yeah. Well, thought, um, Victor, what did you say? Uh, so let our audience know real quick before we go that sure. um, yes. Victor in 2017 was up for HBO Asian American Filmmaker Contest and um, on his mini short Essence of Time with Asian American mm -hmm. Showcase. And so you just want to thank you for um, coming on the show today. And just where can they keep catch up with you? Sure. I thank you too very much. Uh, best way everyone can look it up is my website. It's just victorwc.com with everyone. Well, thank you for coming on. We just want to say thanks, audience. Cheers to you. Stay healthy and happy and happy new year, everyone. Thank you so much again. Everyone be safe, please.
Like, have you been writing during the um the COVID? Because a lot of you know Shakespeare wrote during the yes. quarantine of the pandemic. Think, so you've been writing, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think most everyone, especially if you're a creative, and you know, not you're a professional, you get anyone. You can always write something down. And I started doing that because uh, not just from last year when we filmed in Romania, it was you know again for my friend. Uh, he wanted to do his um kind of his little indie project. I said, oh, I'd love to go. You know, I haven't been to Romania and I was going to go to London anyways. So I go next door, you know. <laughs> so we kind of had some fun and we all wanted to work together. You know, we kind of knew each other, but we never got a chance to be face to face. So they gave an opportunity. But because of that reason, I fell in love with the country and the people. They're just wonderful. That I found out from at least the locals that they don't really have a big food community in Romania itself. Now, a lot of U.S. films and international films would be filmed over there, you know, like Romania and uh, Bulgaria, these countries, because there's more space. It's more affordable. But they don't have, like, a, a product from their country exported out where we can watch it, like, on Netflix that is, wow, that's amazing, you know, you fill in the blank. So I thought, well, how come there's no, like, you know, action story or something? They just don't have that kind of market. Um, so I thought, okay, well, maybe if I can create something, it could be like a Romanian action story. And that's something I thought about the love story. It's something that kind of is in relation to what uh, Kiss of the Dragon was back in the early 2000s. Uh, Jelly Day Kiss of the Dragon. It was a um, Luke Besson movie that was very popular as well. No, not the same movie, but it's that concept where you have a little bit of a dynamic between the male character and the female character. But you're showcasing it in the country. So it's half English, half Romanian. So it, I hope uh, whenever this gets ready is to be a real Romanian movie that is exported out so that Romania now gets a recognition of how great the country is, you know, the dynamic, the culture, the food, you name it. They have a lot of great things there, but people don't know what it is. So that was my kind of passion to make Fata, which means like girl in Romanian. And I thought this is kind of fun. And it just really came about because I was there. And I just started joking one day I was going to make a Romanian action movie and I was learning Romania a little bit and I just fell in love with the word Fata for some reason. It just sounded funny. And I just kept saying it over and over again. And, and then someone said, you got to do it now because you said it like 50,000 times. You got to make this Romanian action movie. I said, oh, okay. So yeah. I started writing a little bit here, a little bit there. It's still in the works because um, the, the hardest part is I'm not obviously living in Romania. So a lot of things I don't know about the country to make it as authentic as possible you got to have, you know, someone who's from there. So my co-writer is a uh, Romanian. She lives in London. She's a screenwriter. So when I have things ready, you know, we'll have to collaborate and figure out what's authentic, what's not right, you know, the language, everything, to make it a real Romanian export. And that's kind of the goal. And then, you know, it will have action, of course. And I hope it will be a nice international kind of project that brings, you know, different cultures together and um, showcases a country that, you know, most people don't know about. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I frankly didn't because I've, I've heard of it, of course, but I've never been there. So it was the very first time going. Um, I didn't do nothing, you know, not even what the currency was. So I had to Google all that stuff up, of course. Now we can. But then it opened my eyes, you know, and um, the same group I'm with, you know, we talk about going back and doing something again, you know. So uh, I want to create characters for, you know, everyone who I've met, you know, and make it as authentic that it fits right to the story, you know, uh, kind of what Adam Sandler does, you know, with his movies, he brings a lot of his friends over. It's kind of like that concept, you know, you kind of give back and try to get people in so that they have a job and, you know, hopefully it goes well, you know, it's still in early stages, of course, but that's the concept, you know, 
um, script writing is, you know, I'm not a professional in the sense of script writing, but I know ideas that I like, and it's just a matter of fine tuning it to make it into a script format that will be applicable, you know, and I enjoy that process too. So that's part of the creative side. Yeah. Well, um, Victor would just say, uh, let our audience know real quick before we go that sure. um, yes. Victor in 2017 was up for HBO Asian American Filmmaker Contest and um, on his mini short Essence of Time with Asian American mm-hmm. Showcase. And so you would just want to thank you for um, coming on the show today. And just where can they keep catch up with you? Sure. I thank you too very much. Uh, best way everyone can look it up is my website. It's just victorwc.com. It has all my links. Facebook link, Instagram links, uh, social media, of course, is now, you know, blowing up. So victorwc.com is the official website. And I try to update it with, you know, new photos and new information, uh, has the reels, things that they can see, you know, kind of what I want to represent and what I want to showcase as a minority talent as well. And uh, hopefully I can connect with everyone. Well, thank you for coming on. We just want to say thanks, audience. Cheers to you. Stay healthy and happy and happy new year, everyone. Thank you so much again. Everyone be safe, please.